Well, hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless. I'm pal James Avramenko, back with a brand new episode with very special guest, actor, producer, writer, Laura Ann Harris. Laura and I discussed the catharsis of the creative process, how you know when a friendship is well and truly over, and how to accept the inevitability of death without being too morbid. Laura was an incredible guest that I just had such a blast chatting with, and I think you're going to love this one. So for now, lean back, get comfy, set your volume at a reasonable level, and enjoy my interview with the one and only Laura Ann Harris here on Friendless. So uh, this week on Friendless, I have an old friend from the Phoenix days. I don't know if we've spoken since, like, since you graduated. I don't know if I've crossed paths with you. I've seen things around, but... um, But uh, the one, the only, Laura Ann Harris, just to really get specific <laughs> about it. <laughs> so how how the hell are you today? I'm really good. Yeah, I'm I'm very good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It is Sunday. It is uh, the sun is shining. I, I've yet to really decide. You know, I, the the weather was changing recently, and I was feeling excited because you know the fall like sweater sweater weather is when I'm most powerful. You know, and uh, the temperature is going back up again. So I, I can't decide if I'm okay with that or not. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the fence too. I think. I love the fall. I think it's just so cozy. And I mostly looked at my drawer and I'm like, wow, I really only have fall clothes. So I don't own a lot of summer stuff, but I, yeah, I just really love the fall. And, but at the same point in time, there's like a little kind of at home spa near me that has like a, like a cold plunge Mm. and a sauna and a hot tub and you kind of go around. Um, don't know if it's legal, but I don't care. Um, I want to go, but I'm also like, would I want to go in the cool fall or would I want to go in the late summer heat? So I'm just sort of toying with that. But yes, you know, that's so interesting. I, I, what would be the legalities of that? Why couldn't it be legal? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is, this is out of, uh, you know, this is out of bounds water temperatures. Uh, the, the crossover is, it has to be precisely 17 degrees. You know? you know what? I feel like it has more to do with like the cleanliness, but I'm assuming mm. it's fine, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm just, so I'm always like, is that legal to do it in your house? But whatever. I'm like oh, yeah. in their yard. <laughs> I'm just I like, love cool. it. right. It's, it's the entrepreneurial fine. spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so for for listeners who may not be familiar with your work I, I you know I know you do you do theater you're a writer you do all kinds of stuff you're a new you're a new parent you know well, I'm sure we'll touch on that but uh, you know for for anyone unfamiliar with you um I I always put this question very bluntly um who the hell are you Yeah that's fair um <laughs> who am I that's a good question I sometimes ask have to ask that question for myself as well. Um, yeah, honestly, like not even, not even really joking there. Um, I am mainly a solo performer playwright, but I have been kind of branching off into other forms. Like I'm writing fiction and a little bit of poetry. Um, and then also screen. Yeah. I'm Mm. writing a screenplay. I'm writing screenplays. Um, 
yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now. Oh, I love that. How do you find yourself um, balancing multiple projects like that? Because I, I know with me, like, I'll get these ideas and I'll get so excited about them. I'll dive into the first one and I'll get a new idea and I'll dive into the next one. But the first one isn't finished. And then inevitably, because I'm like, ooh, 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 which, which, none get done, you know? Um, do you find, do you find it beneficial for you to be working on multiple stuff? Or are you sort of, is this, uh, is this maybe admitting a toxic trait? It's, it's a bit of a toxic trait. Yes. I will. Um, I really fully appreciate people who, who constantly get um, seduced by the new idea. Mm-hmm. I tend to work a project into the ground. So, and then I, I work on other things. So, and I'm really obsessed with kind of short form fiction because I feel like that's a little piece that I can finish yes. and I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always the case. Like I, yeah. So I do finish things. I do. It takes some time, but I do finish them. Um, I remember before my daughter was born, I finished a new solo show and the first draft of, or the second draft of this screenplay. Um, And I was, I was adamant that I had to do that before she was born because I was like, I won't have time to finish it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then ironically, I'm starting a new screenplay and I'm also writing a bunch of short form fiction. So it's sort of, I don't know, maybe I was deluding myself. Maybe I actually did. I did have time. Um, It's hard to, you know what, to be honest with you, it's really hard to find the drive with finishing something. I get it. It is a muscle to finish something Mm -hmm. and to keep going. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. The ending is like a, its own muscle in itself, right? It's like if you're like, you know, if you're lifting weights or whatever and you're like, this this does this part of the arm and that does that part. There's like a whole like wrist exercise just for endings, you know, and being like, that is now done and we're moving on. Right? Yeah. And it's incredibly vulnerable and scary. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know what, what you're doing. Like I, I did an outline for this new screenplay. Is it really following it? Kind of. Not really, though. Um, and that's okay. I do better when I have like a kind of imaginary deadline. So I need to do a class like, and I just know a lot of creatives like this. They just need to have a class Mm -hmm. to kind of write for. Doesn't that, doesn't mean that they're going to do well. Actually, most cases you're not going to do well, but it just is a way to, to finish. Um, Mm -hmm. with my solo work though, I kind of always know that in the in the in the horizon I'm going to be performing this thing. Sure. That's my own kind of deadline, but yeah. I sort of yeah, I just kind of knew I had to finish at least a first draft of that before she, my daughter was born. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that answers your question at all, but Absolutely. I think yeah, I just think I I commend anybody who finishes a project. I commend anybody who's writing because it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's constantly tapping into yourself, into a part of yourself that may not bring you the fruits that day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it's going to be a challenge. But um, but when you surprise yourself, it can be really, really fun. Yes. And I think, you know, we're so conscious of the product and also making money off that product that we forget about the process. Mm-hmm. And the process is the joy. And oh. it, yeah. 
no, you're sorry. You're just you're nailing that. I you, you, it, it, the way you just framed it is such a beautiful like exactly. You know, um, and I'm I, I I talk about this with my therapist all the time, where you know I'm constantly talking about like what even is this? Like how you know like how 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 does anybody do it? I, and I think by you saying you know you commit anybody writing, like you know my therapist has always said like all art is a miracle because it should be impossible. You know, and and um. And what is really hard to recognize when you're doing it and when you're in it is that um, you can look at other artists who you appreciate or you're inspired by or anything like that, but you're never going to actually walk their path. And so every single person who chooses to walk an artist's life is always just in the jungle. You know, they're, they've got, you know, their, their little machete and there's no path for them. And because and, you can't say, oh, well, I like this playwright, so I'm just going to write there because that's already done so you have to find a new way to write your story and so every artist is constantly just in the jungle and the fact that you can come up with anything let alone something that you can love and be proud of and then the next step being like someone else can love and be proud of like you know that's a miracle and I think everybody should always be much gentler with themselves um like you say, because we lose ourselves in the product, we lose ourselves in the commodification and the and the the, the cost of it, you know. And and I, I don't know. I've I've been for a long time. I've been a big proponent of like I just think, you know, capitalism has destroyed many things, but um, but uh, art and culture is right up there um, in one of the top tiers of like it's just been completely removed from what it the impulse of creativity is you know and and it's mm -hmm. it's i don't know how we get that back <laughs> you know no i don't know either yeah i don't know either but i'm striving just to practice you know mm. go to the practice of writing tap into what i want to say today and ultimately the first audience is going to be for yourself it yes. has to be because everybody is going to be critical Mm -hmm. And if you love it, for, like the most, mm -hmm. that's, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think, you know, just keep writing every day. Even if it, even if you're like, there is no end in sight, just keep writing. Mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, you said you, I, I'm right on the same boat with you about like um, the, uh, like short fiction, poetry, you know, like stuff that has like very confined space because then I can get that sort of dopamine boost of like, I finished this at least, you know, and like, yes, there's a grander story in my brain, but like, this is what it is now. And and who knows what could be, but right now that is done. And there, there are, there's something very beautiful about having, um, you know, I always call them like closed loops, but it's sort of like, you know, walls, right? Having boundaries to it, right? And uh, um what kind of what brought you to like to writing? Because I know you know we met through theater school, but um, was it sort of the impulse of like creating stuff for theater initially, or was it just creative writing in general? Or what what sort of what attracts you to that to that form? Yeah, I mean, so in theater school, and actually I should go back in high school, I wrote something for a film class, and I had a lot of fun writing my own script. Now, did I kind of take that impulse and explore it further? No, not really. Sure. I um, I took a break from that for a while. And then in second year of university, I just decided to write a play because I was like, 
I'm not getting cast in things. I'm ha- I I just like I went through a pretty transformative time between first and second year. I went through a lot of depression mm. actually. And I needed some something to keep make me feel better. So I started improvising in front of my mirror characters and then it kind of became a show. Yeah. Um so I did it at the Chilliwack Directors Festival. Yes. Beloved. Um, it was great. It was I, like, I think back to that and I'm like, wow, that was a pretty informative time on my career. Like I brought a show over to Vancouver, Chilliwack area and did it. And it went really, really well. And they, the audience really enjoyed it. So from there, I just was like, oh, I'll write a show every year for this festival. I like, I never got into Sacco's. Like I, it was so funny. It was just like, I only wrote for this little festival, but it ended up working out really well. Yeah. Um, and all the shows were vastly different from, from each other. So that sort of was a pivotal time for me. I mean, my first solo show I wrote at the back in the dressing rooms of the Phoenix, right? Yeah. So I, and I initially, yes, it was always to kind of showcase my work as an actor. Mm. But then you know, with my first solo show, which is called Pitch Blonde, um, I toured it for 10 years. And wow. it started to be more about the show than, than the performance per se. Though they, they went hand in hand. Of course. Um, yeah. And then I've written two other solo shows since. And then um, now writing a fourth one. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of what happened. And, and from there... I met other people. I moved to Toronto. I focused on new play development and um, met people there who went to UBC um, for creative writing. Uh, and I pursued a creative writing master's and I graduated in May of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. I had no idea you did the master's program. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, how did that like... <laughs> Wow, you got in, like, you got out right at the nick of time. I know. Yeah, I did, actually. And in fact, I, I was I was actually finished November 2019. Mm. So I just ended up doing an extra semester of work study. Gotcha. And, and then I graduated in May of 2020. Because I, I think the way they do it is when you defend your thesis, you have to graduate that semester after. So gotcha. I was, like, in the thick of it in the thick of the lockdown is when I finished basically my work study and it was kind of crazy, like work from home kind of scenario and yeah, yeah and it ended up working out, but wow. yeah, but thankfully I graduated in May of 2020. What was the, uh, what was that experience like at the end? Like with the, with the pivot? Cause I, you know, I was, um, I was like, I was teaching a bit and, uh, and, you know, seeing all the, like, like the high school kids having to just like, just losing their minds, you know, um, um, going to online. Um, I can't imagine what the like stress of a master's must've been like, what was the, what was that experience like for you? I was lucky because I didn't have to do any of my master's classes or anything like that. That had all been finished. Like I actually finished all my classwork in the May of 2019. So I was, I was done all my in-person classwork. Um, it just so happened that like friends of mine were really affected. Yeah. Just pivoted to online learning. And to be honest, the class sizes are maybe only 12, 10 to 12 anyway. So it's, 
I don't think it was the end of the world. It certainly threw some professors, though. That was a very stressful time for some professors because mm-hmm. they weren't acclimatized to online learning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was rough. I think for the the grad class below me and below them. Yeah. But I lucked out, and and the one class that I was teaching, the undergraduate level class, we really only stopped going in person mid March. So there wasn't, there was like six weeks left in the class anyway. So it ended up working out. Right. You know, it's funny. We were talking just before we started recording about this sort of like, there's this like really underlying, you know, I frame it as a trauma um, of like just that experience of the last three years and how like everyone around the world had to just radically alter their, their whole lives. And then now that everything's, you know, settled back in, um everyone it, it, it i just i find it so strange that it's like we see all the ramifications right we see the the housing crisis that came out of it we see you know prices still soaring we see all the problems that came out of the pandemic but no one is really talking about that it happened we're all just sort of having this collective amnesia moment you know and 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 i'm curious what's your sort of like perspective on on what's been ha- like how are you seeing people around you sort of processing or not processing like the the sort of fallout of that experience yeah i feel like this is a pretty large question and i have mm-hmm. to preface this with a content warning mm-hmm. um i am going to talk about uh, a friend of mine who passed away mm-hmm. so i'm going to just let you know that ahead of time um so right before the pandemic my best friend committed suicide oh, I'm so um sorry. thank you um so i was in deep grief yeah. At the pandemic. Um, and I wrote a lot during that time to kind of process through that. And um, I will say people were very, very generous during that time, including the little undergraduate uh, class that I was yeah. TAing for. Um, yeah, I looked back at the evaluations and people were so kind. Yeah. I thought they were going to give me the worst evaluations during that time because I was like, deep grief not really present and they like i remember one student said wow i'm amazed at how present they were despite the fact they lost a really good friend Mm. and i was just like i bawled my eyes out reading that it was some of the like the most kind i was like holy crap like i didn't anticipate this kind of an evaluation because i really didn't think i was there for them Mm. in the way that i know that i could have been But we were all going through it. We were all going through this living grief, as I called it, during the time. And it was really hard, I think, for younger people. And I think my husband, he works with kids. Hmm. And he really felt it. Um, He's felt it even after the fact, even with adults. Like, there's a disconnect when it comes to communication. And people are, I think, in some ways are just not able to articulate how they feel in the same way that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so big. Yeah. I think, and there's been like, and I think that this is just the political environment that we're in as well. I think there's been a, a, a huge um, arrogance that's come out of it too, like uh, mm-hmm. selfishness mm-hmm. and a real lack of empathy, em- empathy mm-hmm. um, because it's like, well, this terrible thing also happened to me. And also, why do I have to adhere to what you need? 
I think that there's that coming out of it too. Wow. Like people were like anti-masks, maskers, I think to a certain degree, anti-vaxxers as well, because I think they're like, oh, only, uh, this is the argument that I hated the most. It's like only, um, bigger people are getting COVID. Yes. And I was like, are you fucking stupid? Yes. Like you're actually stupid. Like, cause they're like, oh, we shouldn't like, you know, only people who are making bad life choices are getting COVID. I'm like, not necessarily dudes. Yeah. Like, no, actually yep. that's not true. Yeah. And you perpetrate perpetrating that is so it's unbelievable. Anyway, There's so tears of pressure, yeah. Yeah, so I just think we were all going through this grief, this sense of loss and and what what will co- come out of it um in terms of like a lot of people loss of industry. Like for theater people, huge loss of industry. Yep. Like I know so many professional actors who pivoted. Mm-hmm. They've and never immediately, went back. yeah, and never went back. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, I was so sad about. Like, you know, we're like I I was in a grief of losing some of those artistic colleagues, right? So, mm-hmm. but it was fascinating to me though too how quickly people pivoted. So it was sure. clear to me that maybe this had been on their mind for a while yeah, and maybe they needed to pivot. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like, I don't know, there was also a, a kind of a sense of like, well, what did you expect this like life to be? Like it is going to sure. be volatile yeah. even in the best of times. Mm-hmm. So I just, I thought it was really, really fascinating and interesting how quickly people pivoted and how quickly they were going to, they were like announcing, you know, by the way, I'm quitting. Just so you know, I'm quitting forever. Done. I'm never going to come back. But if like, okay, so there's a musician named Kathleen Edwards. Mm -hmm. She would famously quit. Mm. She opened a coffee shop called Quitters (laughs) outside of Ottawa. I don't know if you've heard this story. I have it. I love it. It's amazing. She literally was like, I'm quitting music. I'm opening a coffee shop called Quitters. I am quitting. And what happens? Nine years later, she sells that coffee shop and she's back to being a musician. And I'm like, it's okay to say I'm going to just take a break for a while. Sure. And see what happens. Yeah. You don't have to be this one and done kind of person. That's the other thing I noticed. It's like it really brought out a lot of people being like very definite about things when things were so – volatile and, and, and uncertain exactly right yeah. and i think like it's a really uncomfortable place to be in mm-hmm. but ultimately life is uncertain dudes <laughs> like yes you yes. know like well, we're not we're not gonna know what tomorrow brings yeah sorry to say like i'm like <laughs> i'm going on a trip i i heard you in other episodes uh talking about wells bc yes I'm actually going up to Wells to do my solo show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really excited about, but I'm like like pointing out to Chris. Okay, here's my will, because you never know, know. right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a crazy highway. That drive is like it's beautiful. It's also terrifying. You know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just like Kate, because I it's a trip that I'm going on on my own. I'm not bringing Mm -hmm. my husband and my daughter. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm just letting you know. I'm like. There, here's my will, mm-hmm. just in case. Totally. 
Well, and that's, you know, it's so, something so interesting about, like, like you talked about, like, be- becoming really declarative and really definitive. And it was, it, to me, in a way, and I mean, obviously, you know, everybody had their own experience and there's no prescriptive answer to how everyone reacted to anything. But it's like, I definitely saw so many people becoming much more declarative, much more black and white about everything, you know, whether it was about politics, about their life, about, you know, everything suddenly became really hard line in, in every direction, you know, and, and, and it struck me that it was like a way to pretend you were in control of something because, you know, by, 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 showing just how out of control we actually were and how quickly everything can spiral into something brand new. It was like we were grasping at, at anything we could at least tell ourselves we were in control of, you know, whether we actually were or not, you know, and, and, you know, um, as I'm always talking about on the show, you know, what I talk about with my therapist is, (laughs) you know, is, is unpacking that black and white thinking and getting rid of that, that type of thinking, because um, like you say, you know, with this musician, like, it's it's it feels more powerful in the moment to make these yes no always never statements but in the end you have no idea what's going to come so it's actually much more beneficial to you and to your sort of like like the load you carry on your shoulders you know spiritually emotionally mentally um to say like well this is what works right now and it and i'll negotiate a change when i need it you know and and it might always work but i'm not going to bank on that you know, and, and I'd rather just like see what comes. Right. And, and, um, you know, I, I think, I think so many people had, it was like their first chance to just stop for, 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 you know, so many of my friends had never been on something like an EI program. And so CERB was like a revelation to them to just like, Oh, I'm just going to stop and look, you know, and, and, and I don't think we were as like emotionally ready for that break to, to to hit you know and and so yeah i it's 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 you know i i, I hope everyone's okay <laughs> you know but it's like i recognize that like i don't I, I don't think anyone's okay right now i don't think you know it's that saying of like every and this was long before the pandemic there was the thing about like anyone in the world you meet is like three sentences away from a complete nervous breakdown you know yeah. um and i think it's even less than that now <laughs> you know um and we just don't know what to do with all this energy anymore right yeah i okay so i think some people are very type a and they're like okay i'm over it mm-hmm. and and some people like me i just have to sift through the sand for years and years and years and process the grief same and um and i think that that's i I don't know what's healthier. Like, and I also, I don't want to judge people on how they deal with things, Mm -hmm. but I think it is a similar way. Like when you've dealt with grief before in your life, the people who have not dealt with grief in the same way, it's like a different organism, you know? And I get it. I get that they will not really relate. Uh, They may not relate to the work. They may not relate to me. They may not relate to the idea of grief, but it does happen to people in their lives. And, you know, it's like any sort of experience, shared experience that you've had with a greater community. It's just some people are going to really tap into that and some people are not. Mm-hmm. And also it depends on who the person is. If they're more kind of type A and they just want to like want to shut it down, bury it, put it away in a drawer, lock it up. That's fine. That's their MO. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think 
you know, ultimately I'm just that kind of person. I just like, and I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm a cancer. So I like going deep into the dirt. <laughs> sure. And yeah. um, yeah, so I I think we're not, we're not going to really fully process this for quite a f- number of years. Yeah. Um, there will be the one documentary that comes out there. They're like, oh my God, it finally told me everything that I've been feeling. And I'm sure. like, great. You know, but good for them. Good for them. But yeah. it, you know, it's going to happen. It's oh, yeah. going to happen. And everybody's going to be like, wow, like they got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, God. Well, it's like, isn't it that thing of like, we don't know what we don't know. Right. And like sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I know for myself, like I, I know when I when I'll be like researching, you know, I don't know, personality disorders, or I'll be researching mental health or I'll be learning about something and I'll and I'll hear a personal behavior reflected back on me uh, with like a new term and a framing and of like, Oh, this is a symptom of this, you know? And, and it hits me like a sledgehammer because it's like, Oh, I thought this was just a thing I did, but actually it's an output. It's like a, it's like a coping mechanism or it's a, whatever it might be, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's that, yeah, like I say, like people just don't even realize, like, I think some people are so, I say this all often predominantly about like, especially like men, like cis, cis men, um is like they're so not okay they don't even realize they're not okay they think that that's just what's normal is just to be perpetually dysregulated and always kind of in fight flight and and always trying to be dominant and all these things when it's like no that's a that's like a coping mechanism or a survival tactic you know and you're not okay sir (laughs) yeah i think unfortunately I just in terms of because my friend who passed away was male Mm. and unfortunately upon you know the discovery um of what happened and his life there's just so many things he wasn't able to work through and wasn't willing to work through with with a professional Mm -hmm. and I applaud you for going to therapy I think it's a really vulnerable thing to do Mm. and I certainly think it's important I think I think um men's mental health actually is really something that not a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. And also it's just this kind of sense. I I think, you know, this, as you said, like this kind of survival technique um, to avoid that at all costs. I don't know what the, I don't get it. I actually don't understand why people don't like, not everybody goes to therapy. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, there's some sort of weird stigma with, with particular with cis males Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I just think it's really vital for people to go because ultimately it it really helps to talk things out I mean my husband and I chat about everything that we're going through Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important for him to unload you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I think yeah I I communication is the key and and it helps kind of it helps the mind muscle connection too in terms of just relaxation and and you know it it really can help destigmatize pain in your body too Mm -hmm. the idea of you know um um you know the idea of like something I, I I talk about with a lot of my friends and and you know and my therapist is is this idea of like when there's when there's like trauma or there's pain or there's you know feelings whatever the feeling is right because all feelings are sort of are technically kind of what's the word is it benign like they're they're all sort of there's no good or bad feeling there's just feelings and then you know 
if you repress them, they'll ca- often cause pain, and if you release them, they'll they'll move. You know, and and so when you start getting those feelings moving, whether that's through talk or you know, often with with trauma work, it's you know crying right you like you you just cry and you get that energy moving out of you and the release behind that is so cathartic and and Mm -hmm. you know I've had um a few experiences quite recently where I finally really tapped into some like really really deep traumas and I finally figured out a way to sort of just get them moving through my body and and that often manifests in just weeping you know um but then afterwards it's like yes the memory's still there yes the thought is still there but it's like just by getting it churned up it's like it's it's like it's like churning the soil right it's like yeah it's still there but it's like it's different now it's moving and it's like you're kind of bringing the nutrients up to the top you know and it and it and it's passing through you in a way that that is a lot more beneficial than like no it didn't happen you know whatever i'm just not going to talk about it you know like, ugh, mm-hmm. ugh, that's spooky, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a buildup of toxins. I think you're, yeah, yeah, and it has dire consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is why I'm kind of, you know, I think I did go through this immense amount of grief during the pandemic because of my the loss of my friend, but also because of the uncertainty in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in happy to say I'm in a much better place now. And I did have to go to talk therapy during that time. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really helpful. Really, the the whole heart of this show is about what it means to be a friend. And, and, you know, the question at the at the core to begin with was, was I have I been a good friend? Because I, you know, I think back and, you know, I know, I know for the vast majority of my life, I've got good intentions, but intentions aren't results you know and i know i've caused pain and i know i've caused joy you know um but but in asking that question of have i been a good friend you know it it doubles back to like well what does that even mean like what is a friend um and it's yeah it's become one of my favorite questions to ask everyone whether on the show or not because it's like everyone has a different answer you know um and i'm i guess i'm really to, to start with i'm very curious how would you define what being a friend is or what is a friend to you yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair with us, we, we haven't talked since university, but you know, I've always enjoyed your presence, and I think from afar we've both been jolly good fellows. Yes, um, uh, I think. I love that saying, by the way. I really, I think that's the most perfect encapsulation of our friendship. I think it's fabulous. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I, what is a friend? I mean, I think friends are family. They do Mm. become your chosen family Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, And friends can be united in so many different aspects. They can be united because of a similarity in terms of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It could be working friends. It could be artistic friends. But a lot of the times, I mean, my friends have sort of pseudo become siblings. Like mm. they, they are people that I can kind of count on. I think the biggest thing for me, and this might get into kind of something else I was curious about with you mm-hmm. was, you know, I need a back and forth it, sure. at a certain point in time. If the friendship is only one sided, I'm unfortunately, I'm just not, I'm going to check out mm-hmm. and I'm going to ghost 
hate mm-hmm. to say it, but like it's going to happen because I it has to be kind of like a tennis match. It has mm-hmm. to be we need to serve each other in terms of what we need. Mm-hmm. And luckily for me, a lot of my really close friends have been that in sure. my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is a downer for me is like, I thought I had that friendship with somebody and they've just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand though that things can happen. I certainly understand it post pandemic because mm-hmm. people have sort of just drifted away. Totally. And I think part of it is pride because sometimes when people leave the artistic world, they're like, I'm done with that chapter in my life. Mm-hmm. I cannot possibly connect with that person again because it's kind of too painful. Yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking just general terms. Like I've had friends, you know, even pre-pandemic where that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm just assuming, I have no clue if that's actually true. Sure. I'm just assuming that could be part of it. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to like say that that's the answer. Maybe, and again, that's just my imagination of what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Because what can be really toxic is you go, oh, it's because of me. Yeah. Right? It's it's something I've done. Mm-hmm. And I've been there and I've done that to myself. Big time. And it's unfortunately, I hate to say it, but like it's probably not due to me. It's oh, it's almost never. Me. Yeah. If well, if there not- hasn't been like if there hasn't been like a direct communication, that's something I, I, I deal with all the time where it's like if I haven't been directly told it is me, I have mm-hmm. to really mindfully disconnect and be like, okay, it's something to do with you. Cause it it yeah. like if I can't know what, you know, coming back, I don't know what I don't know. So if you're not telling me it's about me, I'm going to assume it's not because yeah. that's going to be safer for me and my body to be like, cool, yeah. deal with yourself, <laughs> you know? And to be fair, sometimes it, it has been me. Of and course. Oh, of course. Luckily enough, we've been able to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I've been able to kind of uh, apologize in the way that I need to. And, you know, and that's, and, and, but even sometimes what's happened is I've apologized. We still aren't going to be the same as what we were. Exactly. And, and you know what? That's okay. At least we've come to kind of an understanding of what happened mm-hmm. and in order to move on or in order to kind of be like, we're just going to be at distance with each other. Well, I'm sure we're going to be cordial when we, when we, whenever we see each other totally. and hug and whatever and have good wishes but ultimately this didn't work out and that's, and that's really okay. I, I think, um, yeah, but, but when you don't get anything back and even if you kind of go, Oh, this, this isn't me, it's them. It is still a bummer though. Like there's still a grief process with losing that friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a different kind of grief than like a loss of a lover, a loss of a a family member. Mm -hmm. Um, but it still is shitty. And I know people who have like had deep sadness about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've certainly been there, Mm -hmm. but I'm just curious to know, like, have you ever kind of dealt with something like that and how, how have you worked through it? Yeah, big time. You know, I it, it's it's really interesting actually. It's it's interesting timing for you to bring up a question like that because I am sort of going through something like that right now with um with a with a couple friends uh who I've known for a long time and 
it's just become really clear recently. The thing is that the the sort of like the break is actually coming from me. Like I'm the one who's sort of putting in the boundaries and setting setting the limits because I've just I've really recognized that like where my life has gone and where you know where my values are now um don't align with these people and I'm not willing to um what feels like continue to mask uh, around them to sort of make them comfortable um they've you know there's been a few instances recently where like there's just like stuff that they've said about people and culture you know i'm part of the queer community and stuff they said about members of the queer community and it just like does not align with me at all and so i've had to make you know it it wasn't a big dramatic thing and i actually i tried to do a thing like you described earlier where i tried to talk about it with them and i tried to you know take ownership from my side of it and you know recognize when i was being belligerent or combative and express what hurt me about what they said and we kind of settled it but then I realized that that wasn't going to be good enough for me. And and I didn't want to make them keep on, you know, bowing to me and flagellating themselves for me. Um, and so it's going to be just better for us to just, like, wish you well. And and like you said, if we see each other again, I have I have nothing but love in my heart for them. I just don't have the energy to spend time with them, you know. And that might change. You know, I might change, they might change, something might change, who knows, you know, I'm not saying I never want to see you again, um, but I just, yeah, I just don't have the energy and the time for it right now, you know, and, um, you know, you're right, it is a, there is a, a mourning that comes out of that, and there's like a trauma that comes out of that, but it is, it feels more healthy to me right now to not keep people in my life that I don't have the energy to align with, you know? Um, you know, social media has such a toxic ramification of making any choice you make be toxic, you know? Either cut everyone out of your life who's a vampire or you're a bad person for getting people out of your life because you should be having people who, you know, oppose your views. You shouldn't be living, like, there's no way to win on social media. And so I, I have to really remove myself from those conversations and just say, like, I hold love in my heart for them, but I don't have the time right now. And um, and that has to be good enough for me. And and not only does it have to be, it, it just, it is. That is good enough for me, you know? And I, I have nothing to prove to anyone else about that because it's for me. It's for my body. It's for my well-being, right? And um, um, do I wish they were different? Do I wish I was different? Mm-hmm. I guess, maybe, but we're not. So why would I worry about that, <laughs> you know? It's like, it's sort of a, it's a, the idea of like um, hypotheticals is exhausting, right? And it and it kind of wastes it wastes your time and it wastes your energy because it's not how it is, you know. That's mm-hmm. another big thing that my therapist is always on about, where he's like, "Yeah, you can talk about what you wish it was, but why? You're just like because inevitably you're actually just hurting your feelings because that's not how it is. So either you can find something concretely to change that situation, and if it's about other people's behavior, then you can't change that. So stop trying to do that." And just accept this is what it is and do what you need to to make yourself feel better, you know. And and for me, the way the way it makes me feel better is to not spend time with them, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, right. no, I completely agree with you on that. I think so. I'm I feel pretty lucky. Most of my friends have a similar moral compass. Um, I consider myself queer and that's never been an issue with mm-hmm. any of my friends. And I, it's never really come up as a 
point of confrontation. And, but I do know that there's going to be people who ideologically differ from me, especially mm-hmm. from high school, mm-hmm. especially from other walks of my life in terms of where I work now in the U.S. Um, yeah, so it's it's fascinating. But so I, I'm of two minds. One mind is, you know, I just don't engage with those people. And luckily any of my close friends, I don't have to worry about that. Yes. Um, or (laughs) I keep them somewhat in my life on social media just so I can peek behind the curtain. Because I am fascinated by people who think differently than me just from a, from a writing perspective. Totally. Yeah. So I kind of like to sneak Mm -hmm. in and be like, Oh, that's a lot. I'm going to go back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I think for me, though, it's the worry of like, I think so many people, uh, you know, one one of the really deep dives I've been doing on myself recently is really figuring out like my attachment style, my people pleasing. You know, I've, I've really recognized that like I have like an anxious attachment and it really manifests in people pleasing. And so mm-hmm. I become like in my in my fight flight response, I become fawn and I become really like, oh, sure. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. Oh, wow. You know, and um, and. And there's something very insidious about people pleasing that's like very manipulative. And and I've really come to recognize that like I think a lot of people think that it they can just logic someone else into being a different person. If they just find the right explanation, if they just write find the right sentence, that'll change someone's personality altogether and they'll see the light. And and what ends up happening instead is that other person who's clearly communicating who they are, what they think, and and it's it's you who isn't listening to them you know you end up burning yourself out and then you hate this person because they're not changing but it's like you're the one who's trying to do something that's impossible so just stop doing that mm-hmm. and let both of you just go live <laughs> you know? I agree yeah I completely agree I mean my my late mother used to say you can't people you can't change people mm-hmm. and I was like mom come on like you know they can or, change themselves. Or, yeah, they have to change themselves. I or what did she actually say? Maybe I'll do a redo of that. My mm. my late mother used to say that um people don't change. Like she actually flat out was like people don't change. And I was like, "Okay, come on. Mm. People can change." But I think she was right to a certain extent. I think the person needs to be self-aware to change. Yes. And I do believe in the power that people can change. I do. Yeah. And I think people change, unfortunately, based on their own experiences. That's exactly right. And and that can't be really taught by the outside. Mm-hmm. So I bless bless their hearts, Gen Zers, who want so hard for people to change. Yes. Bless them, bless them, bless them. But mm-hmm. it's unfortunately, hence, it's not going to happen unless they change themselves. Yep. And it is kind of going to be an interesting time for those Gen Zers to realize that as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it only comes when you kind of give zero facts about what other people think. Yeah. And that happens in your thirties. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, oh man, I've been the, cur- like I've, I've gone through the curse of people pleasing. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's, yeah. it's awful. It actually makes me feel ill. Like it yes. actually makes me feel uncomfortable and like not good. Mm-hmm. And I, and I had a, you know, I want to say 
five years ago or so, I had a friend through another friend in Vancouver, BC during my master's who I desperately wanted to be friends with. Mm. And they couldn't give two shits about me. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, I was like, this person does not like me. I need to cut them out of my life because Mm -hmm. they don't make me feel good. Mm -hmm. They make me feel like a people-pleasing whore. I hate to say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean... Yeah. So, and I don't mean to like appropriate the term whore. I love the term whore. But anyway, what I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the people pleasingness of the whoreness. Anyway, yeah. that's what I mean. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it was awful. And I just kind of unfortunately I did kind of ghost them. Like I mm. kind of just went unfollow completely. Sometimes I, I have to. I don't think they gave two shits of me about me. <laughs> sure, so yeah. honestly, I don't think it hurt their feelings. Sure. But it was, yeah, it was kind of rough. Yeah. Um, but such is life. Sometimes you just kind of it just wasn't the right fit. We didn't we didn't gel. Mm-hmm. So and and I was kind of proud of myself to know that. Yeah. You know, I was like, you know what, this isn't working. You, and you don't like, owe people, you know, you don't owe people explanations. Like you don't yeah. owe someone, uh, this is why I'm doing this. Like you can just do it because it's for you. Like it's a, mm-hmm. I think that's another element of it. That's like really exciting for me, but something I've never fully like wrapped my head around or when I've heard it in the past, I've always been like, well, that's selfish. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you can just do something and not announce it. You know, it's the thing about quitting. It's the thing about anything. Like you can just do a thing because it's right for you. You don't have to tell the person you're cutting them out of your life. You can just cut them out of your life. You know, like I you're like that's not actually a, a bad behavior. That's that's if anything, it's like keeping both of you safe because then you're not creating more toxicity, you know? Exactly. And the thing is, had this person wanted me in their life, they would have shown me and they did not. Bingo. So yep. I'm done. That's yeah. It right I'm there. Done. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, yeah, I, I'm proud of you for creating boundaries for yourself. I think it's really, really um, important. And I just, yeah, it's, yeah, cutting, I, I think there was a quote recently, like, don't, I, like, yeah, just cut the toxic people out of your life or something like, mm-hmm. yeah, cut the toxic out of your heart or something like this. Yeah. And I think it's really, really important. It's something that I will be t- teaching my daughter. Big time. Because we have such a tendency, I think as artists too, to kind of be like, grab, like kind of groveling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for attention, for love, mm-hmm. for opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole, you know, our school taught us, you know, be nice to everyone because you never know who's going to give you a job, right? So, like, no matter how yeah. abusive, no matter how awful this person is to you, no matter how much they demean you, you have to stay nice to them because who knows, they might hire you, you know? Right. Yeah. But then I didn't want to work with those people. Well, that's like, just I it, remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up, there was one really bad audition that I had in which the person was a see you next Tuesday, like yep. just the biggest. Yep. And the experience was so toxic and awful that I was like, I would never work with this person. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah. I'm really glad that I did not. Exactly. Um, I don't care who you are. If yeah. you're an asshole, like, I don't want to work with you. Yeah. I don't care. I don't actually care enough to do it. Yeah. You know I mean? Literally. Like, yep. Just, like, I don't actually care enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, I just want to work, do my work, be respected. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah, for the most part, my experience has been good. I've had some toxic experiences though that I've had to pull out of. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so that that really leads into, you know, coming out of the friends, like that leads into the sort of the next tier of the question. And I think, you know, speaking on the theater community, I think is such a vital uh, example of it. You know, um, the next sort of stage of these questions is this idea of community. It's the sort of the newest element I've been implementing this season of interviews is like, you know, you hear these terms of being community or, you know, your community, your chosen community, all these things, you know, and 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 it's another one of those words that ends up being like very nebulous and very, very, you know, obviously very concretely definable, but also very indefinable. And and I'm, I'm curious, for you know, in your estimation, what does it mean to be in a community and, and how do you, how do you I guess you could put it either like how do you try to show up in your community or how do you see uh, value of sh- in showing up in community. Yeah, it's funny that this comes up because I'm now a newly elected board member of a children's theater here locally mm. where I live in Vancouver, Washington. And I wanted to be a part of the board because I, I just, since COVID, like we moved to this area during COVID, mm-hmm. I've not felt really strongly connected to the community at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so now for the next two years, I get to be a part of this board. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited to meet people. I love meeting new people. I love kind of sharing the joy of the work. I, I thoroughly enjoy the things that the theater does. Like Mm -hmm. they have an education program. They have a production, like they have several productions during the year. Are they artistically necessarily in line with what I do? No, not necessarily, but that's sure. okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, for kids, I mean, musicals are the thing. Totally. And I get it. And I like that they do that. And I mm-hmm. like that they do occasional plays too. Like they've done some interesting choices that I never would have thought that they would have done as a community theater show. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. Um, so my hope is that through this experience, I actually gain more community open-mindedness and also connection. Um, I've been really fortunate in my theater career to connect with so many amazing artists on the road and in Toronto and Vancouver Mm -hmm. uh, and Victoria. And they always are just so wonderful to see again. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's a certain level of social anxiety that I had growing up in my twenties where I don't know if you've had this experience where you see somebody, especially from the theater community, they're walking down the street and I felt like so much anxiety that I could not say hello to them. Do, like, do I, I was, say hi? Will they say hi? Will they know my name? And how many people like don't remember your name and all that kind of, and then suddenly you're like, Oh, I'm an asshole and all the, Oh yeah. Okay. I know that gymnastic gym or that, that juggle gym very well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that happened a lot. Um, and luckily that's kind of not happening anymore, but, and there's also like this sense of, um, I don't know, there's some areas in Canada that are like wonderful artistic communities, but as soon as you step out of it, it's like, you're dead. Mm-hmm. You're completely yes. dead. Yeah. Like you're, you're dead. Yeah. I don't even know who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay too. Like I get it. They have like a weird sort of sense of jadedness and pride and also cliqueishness, um, arrogance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I'm just going to be me. And if they aren't going to be lovely open arms, then, you know, whatever. So what I'm trying to say is that I've been a part of both kind of communities. Sure. Like this competitive kind of theater comedy community. And I would hesitate to say like comedy community in Toronto. I was like dappling in improv. Um, And some people were wonderful and some people were not. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, yeah, if now I'm, I'm in a great spot where I'm like, I don't actually really care Mm -hmm. if you don't want me to be a part of your community. I'm still going to do me and I'm still going to be happy. And the people who want to see my work will see my work. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, it can be challenging, though, like especially different arti- artistic mediums. Like I always will feel a little bit like a novice sure. in, ev- in any sort of medium that I'm a part of. But, you know, it's for me being in Toronto or being in Vancouver, B.C. or being in New York, they aren't the end all be all for no. talent. Mm hmm. Honestly, there's talent everywhere. Mm-hmm. If anything during the pandemic has taught me is that everyone is talented. Yes. I actually believe that. I'm like, talent is like oozing out of people's pores. Mm-hmm. And it's just what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And the luck along, it's all luck. Of course. Yep. It is all luck. Yep. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are no, the nice thing that came out of the pandemic is knowing that People are talented everywhere. Mm -hmm. There really are no um, talented cities or communities. Like people are just talented and they can live anywhere and they can do anything. Um, So that was kind of cool to discover during the pandemic. But I think, yeah, like I'm excited about having community where I'm living right now Mm -hmm. and kind of starting to dig into that. And it's still going to take a long time because nobody knows who the heck I am. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll eventually know. And also, I might not gel here. You know what I mean? I still have to tour elsewhere in order to find my audience. Mm -hmm. And that's really okay. Well, it's that, I mean, and that's like, that's the inherent spirit of theater, isn't it? It's like, it's to be traveling. It's not like, in a lot of ways, like, theater isn't supposed to be uh stationary it's it's you know like what you have done with your career is really what the 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 soul of theater is which is Mm -hmm. to like take your stories around and wherever you can you know and where where there's people that's where theater goes you know like the idea Mm -hmm. of these sedentary theaters and these established theater brands is 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 in a lot of ways kind of counterintuitive to the sort of soul of theater in my opinion you know um um but that's maybe a whole other can of worms we shouldn't tap into yeah, just yet, you know? That's interview number two, you know? That's that's our second interview, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so, you know, the last big, uh, big question, um, before we just, like, wrap everything up, um, I always really love to leave listeners with, like, an actionable, something they can do this week to, to try. So I'm wondering if you have a suggestion of a practice or a tip or, or something that listeners could try doing this this week to, to try and be a better friend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So I was looking through your podcast, and I obviously listened to a couple episodes before coming on today. And I saw that you have, you've interviewed a lot of my friends. Yes. Yeah. That we just 
like genuinely like through six degrees of separation, we know, we know. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of my friends that you interviewed was Jenna Turk. Yes. Oh my God, Jenna Turk. Yes. Yeah. So I am going, cause I've been meaning to email her a question uh, about something kind of totally unrelated, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm going to do that this week. And I think it's good. I mean, look, I, what I tend to do and actually one of my best friends does all the time too, is just check in with people. Yeah. And to be fair, like I have checked in with somebody around their birthday. They never got back to me. Sure. And it's not as if I'm not going to open the door to that conversation down the line, but I just kind of go, okay, this person has now officially ghosted me. Sure. I'm just going to let it go. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to communicate with them again, but you know, okay, sarah, sarah. Totally. You know, yep. hope they're well. Um, but I will probably this week just kind of check in with a couple people that I haven't checked in with mm. in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I should. I kind of yeah. want to see how they're doing, see how their summer is. It's always a nice time in the fall to check in. Totally. You're kind of like, oh, how is your summer? Because summer is such a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would challenge the listeners to check in on somebody that you've kind of been like meaning to. And you may not get anything back. And then you can kind of go like, oh, okay, this person, I'm I'm not going to communicate with this person again. Yep. You it's know, almost like it, the, it's that thing of like the, the you know, because I, I often will default to like, because for me, like with, you know, with like my ADHD, I'll like see a message and I'll go, oh, I should write back. And then I don't. And then I forget. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and I don't expect other people to hold that for me. Right. But, mm-hmm. but it's like, it, it is a little bit of a message from them of like, okay, I'm not within their like energy wheelhouse right now. That may change, but right now that's what I'm being shown. Right. Mm-hmm. And so believe them yeah. and don't, don't necessarily take it as an insult, but also like, like you say, like use that to inform what kind of en- energy you want to dispel, right? Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, pushing for more isn't necessarily going to help either of you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, the other challenge I have mm. is there's this uh, comedian named Mark Andrada. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that I'm pronouncing his last name right. But uh, he posted something on his story, which kind of alarmed a lot of people, actually. Mm. Uh, he said, you know, take the time to tell the people that you love that you love them. Mm-hmm. Um, he just wrote that as a little message. And, but it was, it was a little bit more specific than that. And and I was, I just said, yeah, this is very true. I hope, I hope you're well. Mm-hmm. Like, cause when somebody messages that on social media and it's kind of out of the blue, you do kind of wonder what's going on. Totally. Yeah. Even I don't really talk to this person, but I was just like moved to message them. Mm-hmm. And then the next slide, I think 24 hours later, he's just like, I see that I've alarmed a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) I just want you to remember to do this. Yes. Not for any reason specifically, Mm -hmm. but it just, you know, just as a reminder. Yeah. I was like, that's lovely that he even just even followed up with that. Mm -hmm. So I would, yeah, I'm going to, you know, challenge people this week to also, yeah, tell the people who matter most to you how much you love them. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm such a cancer. So I love small little gifts or small little surprises. Sure. A lot, but they can be just a something. Mm-hmm. I often like, if somebody asks for something, I give it to them. Hmm. If it's small, like yeah. if 
if it's like a huge thing, then it's like, okay, we have to have a negotiation. We have to have like a, a conversation about this. Yeah. But for the most part, people just ask for small graces and I often try my best to give it to them. Mm. I do often, like if people are doing like an Indiegogo campaign, a GoFundMe, I do give a little something. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot but I can certainly like give them the cost of a cup of coffee or what have you totally to help them out. You know, I love that. Um, yeah. So providing small graces for people. I think that's fabulous. Laura, you're, you're incredible. You know, I, 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 we're, we're wrapping up the, the interview here, but like I, 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 the whole time I've just been marveling at like, you know, you, you said it earlier about like, we've always just been sort of like jolly, jolly fellas, you know, and, and, and (laughs) I, you know, and what a what a perfect encapsulation of of our connection. But at the same time, too, I I you know you know you are such an example of of something that I really cherish in this show is getting the chance to speak so much more closely with people who I always I always wish I had the chance for, and it's sometimes very difficult to be like, hey, Laura, I haven't spoken in ten years. Could do you want to have a phone call? You know, like so. So it's like this is a bit of a cheat code for that kind of stuff. You know, um, but uh, I just I yeah I I have seen the the career you've created for yourself, and I've always been just so impressed. And and I just I really um, am grateful for 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 this opportunity to just chat with you and get to hear your stories more. And and I just think you're so fascinating, and I'm just so glad that we we got this chance. And if if we speak again, that would be lovely. And if we don't, I hope you know that this has meant the absolute world to me. So, so you know, it's it it can go either way, and both are fine. But I just, uh, yeah, I I absolutely adore you. So thank you for this. Yeah, thank you too, James. I think what you're doing is such a wonderful thing. I think friends are, and the co- the topic of friendship is mm. so vital. Um, I just think, yeah, I think you're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing, and. I genuinely love chatting with people that I haven't chatted with for a long time. I think in the past, my social anxiety really would prevent any sort of conversation like this, Mm -hmm. but I think I've done a lot of work on myself and I've, you know, number one, I have nothing to prove to people. Number two, I don't need anything from anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sort of kind of care enough not to care Mm-hmm. mentality of my life has really I don't know I just it's it's brought me to a much better place yeah. um and I would be amiss not to say that there's like some really genuine friendships in my life that have been so grounding mm-hmm. and yeah I just think friendships are so vital to community as you say to our mental health and just talk yeah just cut out the toxic people yeah honestly honestly yeah Yeah. cut them out they're not they're not worthy of our souls Hmm. of of our of our hearts of our empathy of our time Mm -hmm. um yeah and then you know like if if you find that somebody misunderstands you too give them grace as well because you don't know what what's going on with them exactly and you know they don't have to again there's nothing that you need from them Mm -hmm. there may be nothing that you can offer them or they offer you but sometimes it's just nice to give them grace because ultimately 
they're probably going through some stuff that you don't know about. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, I just, I think what you're doing is really, really awesome. And I think you're a lovely, charming human being. And thank you. Like I, I kind of get mad at my former self and I talk about my like twenties as my former self because I feel like, Oh, why, why did I miss out so, so long to chat with you? I, I think the exact same. I don't actually understand. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. But you know, I go. Well, there's now. That's right. exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's something you know. Just it sounds like a real broken record. That's something me and Scott, my therapist, are always talking about. Where he's like, "Yeah, okay, you didn't do it, but you're alive. So, you know, is that something you want to do now? Cool, then go do it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's fine. It's fine. You know, we're here now, and that's what counts, right? Um, yeah. my very, very last thing. Um. Just just plugging, just giving space. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything coming up that you'd like to talk about? Is there anywhere you would like um, listeners to find you, follow you anywhere? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to be in Wells, BC at the end of September. Fabulous. <laughs> that is around <laughs> the 120 people who live there. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. Um, feel free. I'm going to be at the Sunset Theater for a couple nights at the end of September with my solo show, Destiny USA. Um, you can find me at my website, which is lauraannharris.com, mm-hmm. and with an E. Um, and then you can find me on social media. Probably the best one is my um, Instagram, which is just Laura Ann Harris. I share the A for the Ann and the A at the end of Laura. That's encompassed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be the best place to find me. I'm, you know... After my little gig at the end of September, I probably will just be in my house writing. And Beautiful. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This has been just so fabulous catching up with you. And and uh, yeah, I just um, yeah, I think I've I've said it already, but I'll say it again. This has just been an absolutely fantastic chance to to chat with you. And I uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day because I'm gonna be just flying high. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, ditto with you. I, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation and yeah, let me know. Yeah. If you want to chat again, even if we're not recorded. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank you one more time to Laura for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to get to chat with her. You know, she really is one of those examples, as I say in the show, of someone who I always wish I'd known better. And I'm so grateful to have the chance to have caught up with her here for Friendless. Be sure to give her a follow online. All her links are in the show notes. And while you're there, why not sign up for the Friendless newsletter? It's a weekly update all about the show, what's going on in my life, as well as fun updates like a new playlist to listen to and sometimes new poetry or what I'm hyper fixated on that week because my ADHD has run rampant on my ability to regulate and implement my non-existent executive function. All that and so much more, sign up in the links below. You will not regret it. But that's it for me this week, so I'm just going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. If you'd like to give the show a five-star rating, every review helps, and it's free, so you got no excuse. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, I will be back here next week with another brand new episode, and I hope you will join me. But I'm not going to worry about that now, and neither should you, because we got a whole week ahead of us. And that is then, and this is now. So for now, all I'm going to say is I love you, and I wish you well. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>